Welcome in everybody to Scout's Eye on Football. I am Chris Landry. It is July 7th. Hope you guys had a happy uh, and fruitful uh, July 4th holiday. Uh, we spoke with you yesterday on SEC Football and Beyond for our listeners here. And hopefully we get a number of you that listen to Scout's Eye will turn over and listen to this show as we mix in well, everything. It's not that uh, SEC football is not off the table here. Uh, certainly it is, but uh, we talk, as you know, on, on um, SEC football and beyond about uh, all levels of football, college, and not just the SEC. But we focus a lot because that's where a lot of the fans' interests are. Um, I used to um, do a show, and I'm always interested in feedback from folks but um, I did a show for a while well before I brought Neil aboard um, I did SEC football and beyond I did a show called ACC football and beyond I did a show Big Ten football and beyond I did a show uh, Big 12 football and beyond and I did a show Pac-12 football and beyond and you know look and um, you, you guys know and those of you that are followers here are aware that in order to do a show doing the contents fine and may be fun to listen to but um, you got to have sponsors and without being a someone that is really good at that um, you need to get people involved it's one of the reasons why one of not the only reason one of the reasons why I brought Neil aboard and we're really excited about that. So yeah, we are. We're open to always open to expanding it and talking about it. But it seems like the SEC is where the most fan interest is. Um, but if you know out there, if uh, if you know someone that might want to become involved in uh, maybe sponsoring a show uh, of other conferences, we can absolutely do that and uh, certainly um, look to pursue those opportunities. We talk though. Uh, college football NFL today uh, want to get into got a few questions and I like to always try to do that and, and some of the you know comments and questions are a little bit off general topics or general interests so we'll try to take the ones that we think are the most interesting to folks um, as a whole but I'm wide open, um, certainly busy right now, trying to get everything um, up on LandryFootball.com. Just an update there. Um, the previews, uh, we're breaking down best players in the country, ranking the coaches and college and NFL, and then and certainly going to have all the previews done. It's going to be a busy, busy next few weeks to get that done. Uh, it is uh, a little bit more challenging in today's environment because the transfer portal, although I think most of the information is there, I think we certainly all of us that try to inform and educate on on this is to try to make sure that you get uh, the most accurate information. So check it all out at LandryFootball.com. Our notebooks, our previews, um, our analysis, so we've got it all for you there. Uh, we are excited and we're going to tell you more about um, where we're moving um, the SEC show and, and hopefully eventually all the shows uh, over um, to Podcast Park. We don't know what we're going to do with this show, a Landry football podcast. We're trying to focus on the SEC podcast uh, at this point. Um, but we've got a number of things. We've got 
some questions, uh, an NLI question. Listen, I, name, image, and likeness is, is a hot topic. Um, here's my thoughts on it. Like it or not, it's here. And it's much in the way of a lot of things that I've been involved in in, in, a, in a lifetime of football. Coaching, scouting, administration, and football. Um, there have been a lot of changes in rules, which you can do and can't do. Recruiting, scouting, evaluating, workouts. And then there's been a lot of changes in on the field. Um, activity and how you how you coach and the amount of days in pads and all those things and I've been around long enough to have seen a lot of it go through and I can tell you most of it I'm like most people you don't like change you develop a comfort level and you prefer things the way they've been. I think most people kind of feel that way. Like it or not, you have to learn to adjust. If you're going to stay in the in the business, if you're going to be a coach, you're going to be a scout, you're going to be an administrator, you got to go for it. I can remember when we switched from, we didn't have free agency in the NFL. You draft the players, you develop your players, you decided whether you were going to keep somebody or not. Trade them or not, they stayed with your team. There was no free agency. Free agency comes about completely. I mean, you talk about completely changes the dynamics. I mean, that's a far bigger change than anything that anybody's gone through now or, or in the past. You adjust. Um, some people still don't like it. Uh, you have to adjust to it. I can remember in the 70s when on the field, you had what we call, still call, the Mel Blunt rule. It used to be where the defensive back could engage the receiver off the line of scrimmage and ride him out of the play. And ride him into the, you know, third seat in the stands. Perfectly legal. Can't do that now. Got a five-yard window. They call it. I can tell you, <laughs> this will sound strange to a lot of you. I can remember when offensive linemen had to block and could not use their hands. Yeah, for those of you that are watching this live on video, and you can on twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball, or on YouTube, Facebook, your, your offensive linemen had to block like this. Okay, that's what they had to do. They had to block with their hands locked, and you could not use your hands made it tough to block big advantage to the defense and, and this is no disrespect to any of the great pass rushers and I think Deacon Jones is still one of the elite pass rushers and, and they didn't even keep sacks as a, a, a statistics or pressures he would have been great but a lot of it was before they started the use of hands then then it changed and then he still was a great pass rusher when when you could use your hand so uh, they allow things. You still can't hold and things like that. But the point is, a lot of changes on the field, a lot of changes off the field. I can remember in recruiting, um, the rules have constantly changed. 
a lot of the changes were minimal and minor adjustments that when you could go see a player, when you could, and all those things. This is drastic changes. We talked a little bit about it yesterday on the SEC show. Um, that, um, and I apologize if I look down for you. Today, I had, um, I'm sure most of you had to go get an eye exam, my yearly eye checkup. I didn't go last year. Believe it or not, it was late in the afternoon, and my eyes are still kind of foggy from the dilation that they give you to check. So I'm not kind of looking into the light or looking down just uh, kind of hurts me. So pardon me for that. Can't really see anything or, or read anything. I'm going to uh, please send your comments, but if I reach over really, really close, I'm going to bring those up so that I can see what you said. It's going to be a challenge to read it, but, but please do. Um, What would I, um, gosh, I lost my train of thought here. Um, when, when we get into um, the name, image, and likeness and the whole concept of it, I talked about how there, there are two elements to this. Well, there, there are several elements, but the, the, the big things are what can a player do individually through some help with some agent or some marketing aid? That's one way they can earn some money. And certain players, certain athletes, men or women, are going to be in better position to generate an income than others. Just the way it is. The status, their marketability, their looks, there's a lot of things. But there's also the element of what I call, because if you think about the overall advertising, the overall advertising, what we do here, whatever, is the return on investment. You can sit there and talk about all you want about certain people are going to spend money here or there. I, I, if you're operating a business and you, you spend a certain amount of money on advertising and you don't get the return on it, you're not likely to continue to do it. So you've got that aspect. But what I have talked about, and I think we saw a little bit of it, a little bit of a drop of it yesterday is the booster faction, meaning the folks that have enough money to one of the things they do from a charitable standpoint, they support their beloved football program. And you know you know who some of the people are. Some of them you may not be as familiar with. They're more behind the scenes. Those people are not going to be that concerned about return on investment. They're going to be into, I'm going to help my team get a national championship. I'm, this is what I'm going to do. Just, you know, it's what you get. I can remember... Um, and this is just a group of five program, but the guy that has, I should know, hes he owns Landry um, Seafood, no relation, by the way. Oh, Tillman Fertitta, that's the, the Rockets on, big Houston booster. And, and what they built, that facilities and all that, he was able to do things that, that look like Power Five-ish. And there are other places where you do that. Uh, Colorado State has an unbelievable facilities. But beyond that, 
if you have boosters with disposable income. So we had a guy at Miami, and, and all he put, and I say all he put in air quotes, $500,000, $500 a player. You're going to have some people that, believe it or not, have disposable income that can say, I can go $5 million and spread it out, and, and now they're getting more money. And, and that's, that's just a baseline $1,000 a month, $1,500 a month, $2,000 a month for each of the 85 scholarship players. There'll be some that'll do that. may not be just one person. It may be, you know, we'll get uh, 10 people that can do the same thing. And that, that's not, that's money that's giveaway to them. Now, how do you do it? You say, well, they can't do that. They can't just give booster money. Not. Yeah, all of these, they have businesses, and they can have disposable income. They can put it in, and if they don't get the return on investment, they're getting what they want out of it, and that is helping their program. Only they can determine how successful it is, and no one is going to challenge them. Oh, you didn't make this much money on return on investment, therefore you can't advertise. You can do whatever you want. These are the type of things that I think are going to go on over time. Not everybody's jumping in head first. Some people are kind of dipping their toe and we'll see. So um, that is something that I think we're going to need to watch going forward um, and kind of see where things will go and how things will play out. Uh, but I do think it'll be something that as we go forward and watch it, we're going to see who has success how they're able to do it, what's the results on the field, um, you know, what uh, what happens with certain programs, um, how do they come out of this. I was looking at, the, and again, I can't read too well, I was looking at some notes on on something I got in from some of them, and I'm not going to be able to find it in a timely fashion, but um, looking at who would, yeah, it, it, was, a, it was an NLI topic that, uh, so it, it I think we're going to see folks kind of play it as it goes. So my point is, is I don't know where it's going. I hear this. I'm not going to watch college football anymore. I, I, it's not going to be. The, it's not going to be the same. It's going to be different. On Saturdays, it'll be the same. But behind the scenes, it'll be a little different. Um, it's going to be a license to funnel money into the program to the players. A lot of now, maybe money's funneled in. Does it mean you have to make some decisions on? Um, Okay, you're trying to raise $200 million to redo your stadium. Stadiums are so big to redo and even maintenance. Um, can you can you go and double dip? Well, we need $200 million for this. And we, oh, by the way, we need $10 million. And then, by the way, we everybody else has got it set up to where they're making, you know, a grand a month. We're not doing that don't think that's not going to become a factor. It's going to be known that school X is going to make, players are going to be making money through some means at a certain rate per month average, and then they all have the ability to do more on their own. That's going to be used in recruiting. So it's going to be a factor. And I laugh because I said it's going to take a while. Some people are going to jump in like the the MMA um, Jim guy um, that that's that's doing the Miami deal. 
uh, we'll, we'll see how it uh, it plays out, but it's going to change. Good morning, Tony. Um, ask, uh, let's see, wondering how far, let me see if I can, wondering how far advanced teams game plan and work on things for week one opponents. Oh, okay, great. And I'm going to address this, Tony. I think, Tony, you're probably talking about the NFL, but I'm going to address it in both ways because um, I think it's a it's a great point, really good question. In the offseason, uh, what you do is you have different members of the staff break down your opponent. So let's go to the NFL first since I think that's probably your main interest. Um, you know your personnel very well. You know the personnel in your division really well. Now, there's changes every year, as you know, in free agency. So you go through, and your pro personnel department does this, and your coaches do this. There's a certain amount of time you allocate to studying all of your opponents and getting some baseline information on all of them. As far as a game plan, you will focus more on the first couple of opponents. Why? Because when you normally break down a team and you're playing them week six, you've got five games to look at and build a game plan off of. Obviously, week one, you don't have a game. You can't look to preseason to schematics. You can look at personnel, though. Maybe, depending on how much they play them in the health, how they play new players and whatnot, but that's not always an indication. I think what you do is you do two things. You look at individual players that have been added to the team. So if you're a Browns fan, Tony, which you are, you're looking at new players that the Steelers, that the Bengals, um, uh, that the Ravens have brought in because you're going to play them twice. So you, you have to have a good feel for that. In terms of, though, you're going to be able to see them on film when you play them. And I don't even know off the top of my head who the Browns play first. It doesn't matter or whoever your favorite team plays first. You will spend time, a little bit more time game planning based upon a number of things. The personnel that that team has coming back, the personnel that they've added, the new coaches that they've added, new coordinator comes in, not to mention a new head coach. I mean, you're playing the Detroit Lions or anybody that's starting out as a new staff you're having to look back what they did. Are they going to do a lot of, um, so that's right, the Chiefs, the Browns play the Chiefs. Well, there you go. Now, that's a team you know a lot, you've played a lot, you have a good feel for them, which you did, in the, again, against the playoffs with them. You know that their offensive line has been updated, modernized. You've got to study that. Uh, do you think they'll do anything different protection-wise with their new guys? Probably not a whole lot. You have a good feel for them. That's a team that you're pretty much familiar with. But in any case, for anybody, you're going to study the personnel that's been added to it, what they've done in the past, and look at who they brought back as coaches and what they typically like to do and what the coordinators and the head coaches' philosophies are, and then who they brought in as new coaches so that you can see how they may differ. Uh, and, and how much control will the coordinators have to have that? So I think though that's how you do it. And, and you, you, you put together as much of a game plan as possible, and you will spend some time, believe it or not, in practice and training camp 
working at least a period or two against a look of your first opponent, first regular season opponent. So you do do it. You, you, do, you do block out some time. And I think you have to do it, you know, for the first four teams. But more for the first team than, than next would be the second team when you schedule third and fourth. Because at least by the fourth game, you've got three games that that team has played. So obviously to the point Tony's getting at is you don't have any games to look at when you play them week one, you only have last year, and you've got a lot of changes. So it's really good. In college, it's much the same way. You will actually have your staff break down your entire schedule. And obviously, you've got your conference games. And in bigger conferences, all the big conferences, you play uh, everybody in your division. And you got your cross. You know what your schedules are. So you spend a good bit of time in the offseason studying what they've done, same thing. Coaching changes, new philosophy. What are they going to do differently? Um, you gotta, you got to break that. What have they done in the past? You really break down what he's, he's done in the past, and, and you try to assimilate that into what you think you might see. Um, you, you obviously study the personnel that's coming back. You probably have some familiarity with the incoming freshmen or transfers. If you don't, Players transferred, you've got, you know, eight plant transfers that are going to have an impact on that opponent, and they come from all different parts. You need to go back and look. Where did they transfer from? Maybe from somewhere in the other part of the country. Got to have a feel for it. Okay, he's a guy. He's probably going to start for him at tackle. What did he did when he played out, you know, the other part of the country? How did they utilize him? You have to get a good feel for that. But you do spend, again, a certain amount of time, even in the spring, working on things. Let me tell you. What you really like to do, if you're going to play a team that runs a very odd-looking, particularly offense, not so much defense, but offense, if you're going to look play a Navy, an option team that you don't see at all, better to play them in week one because you can study that scheme that doesn't change. And you've got more time to prepare for it. And it's also pretty good to play them in the bowl game. You got more time in bowl games. You got more practices, and and you can get more time to prepare. So you do. You do spend some time. It varies uh, how much time in practice, but you spend a lot of time in game planning, in studying, and you usually break it down within the staff. Really, really good question there by Tony. Rich says before the game starts, teams go into pregame warmups. What do coaches uh, trying to do in order to gain an advantage? Uh, pregame warmups are not really anything you can gain advantage-wise, other than a few things. A couple of things, what I tried to look at and when I, when I do advanced scouting work is, in all my years, when you're there, you, you want to look at certain guys that in region, I don't know if they're going to play. First thing, their movement and whatnot. The other thing is, I look at the very last thing that they do. First of all, they you get out, you warm up. That's all they're doing. Warm-ups are just to get stretched, to get warmed up, to get ready for the game. There's not a whole lot of strategy put in. But here's a little tip. For example, watch them run their last few snaps of offense right before they go in. It's usually to practice something that they're going to use pretty early. Let's do that. You know how in... In golf, 
it's a lot of pro golfers do this. They work on, they work through the bag and they hit shots. But at the very least, they know what the first hole is going to be. So a lot of times after they're done, they may hit the driver and they know they're probably going to be looking at an eight iron shot in. They'll hit an eight iron and, you know, they kind of work their way mentally through the hole. And you, and you will see that. You'll see that done. I always looked at, if I wasn't familiar, I spent some time on the field listening to the quarterback's cadence. What was his voice inflection like? And I would try to make sure that our defense understood. He's got a high pitch. He's got a low pitch. He's kind of a, some guys are a little bit, huh, huh, you know, a little bit, you know, some people talk and some people are like this. <clears throat> Down 22, set on it. You know, you got to get a feel for that. Um, okay, if you're not quite prepared for that, the high-pitched quick guy may get you off balance. Uh, or really the low-speaking guy is you're just ready to go and he's not ready to snap it yet. Uh, you try to work with that. Those are the things that I looked at the most. You have a pretty good idea with the with the field goal ranges of the kicker, but you can get a good feel for that. You also, on outside uh, stadiums, where's the wind? If you got a wind, is it going to be a factor? Um, those things have more of an effect. You're not going to see, it's not like they're going to run their offense or run their defense. They're going to run some things that are, you know, a little bit preparatory for the game. But most of the stuff is just, hey, come off the ball, you know, get into movement, you know, work those skills. So it's not, it's not a whole lot there. Uh, but I did try to notice those things. Some questions uh, I was asked, uh, let's see, who are the, some, some surprise teams in college football? Um, you know, you got to really look at some teams that I think have a chance to be pretty good. You really got to study their schedule. As I'm breaking down all the teams, and I want to make sure, because I don't have the schedules memorized, I kind of know. If you look at some teams that I think can be pretty good, that maybe um, people are not expecting. And again, I don't know what people expect or don't expect. But um, when I look at the, let's see. Washington is a team that I've got in mind as I break down tape this spring of their spring work. They've got a schedule that's pretty favorable. Now they go to, they got Montana at home, they go to Michigan, then they've got Arkansas State. Cal's underrated, Oregon State, but I think they've got a chance, particularly if they go on the road and beat Michigan. Uh, then they're 5-0. and Then they've got a bye, then they've got UCLA, they've got Arizona, got Stanford. Um, you've got, uh, you know, the Oregon game, which is a very underrated rivalry on November 6th. Um, Arizona State, Colorado, Washington State. I do think that Oregon is very good. Oregon's got a little tougher schedule. Oregon's got um, going to go to Ohio State. Um, the schedule otherwise is pretty similar. Um, if you look at it, neither one of them play as I didn't think they did. Neither one of them play USC. So uh, I, I think Washington, while everybody's talking about Oregon, and I think they expect them to be good, I think Washington 
Hampshire is it Joseph sent in uh, the question where Joseph is from here um, I think Washington would be one um, I don't know that people should be surprised anymore about Wisconsin I think they're really good then what about you know teams like Penn State LSU that people are maybe um, think they're just they got them gone and buried I think that they're they're teams that could have a pretty good year I think TCU's a really good team so I I don't know a complete list um, um, I think Ole Miss will be pretty good. A uh, group of five teams you ask about. Uh, I think Cincinnati is going to be really good. I think Louisiana Lafayette's going to be really good again. Good quarterback, good offensive line. Um, I think um, Central Florida is going to be really good. Um, I think Coastal Carolina will be pretty good again. You know, group of five. So those are some teams that I think uh, will be fun to uh, to keep an eye on. What's the other? Got another question here that was sent. Where is that? In my notes here, um, I should have that. Um, some teams that, uh, well, most improved we talked about a little bit. Um, yeah, who could be, um, Samuel asks, who teams could be the most improved? If you look at, again, I would say LSU's record last year versus this year is going to be a step up. I think Penn State's another example. Those are two teams. And remember, we're coming off COVID year where some teams are uh, different. I think um, I think Kentucky is another team that will bounce back that had a really good year, that they had a very poor year that's very solid. I think Houston will be pretty good. I think a team that will be pretty good is Wyoming um, out west. Uh, it's another group of five team. I think San Diego State's getting better personnel in it. Those are some teams that I think jump uh, out at me as, in terms of most approved. What do you think? Any questions you have on that, um, we certainly can get to. Um, I'm trying to think about um, what, let's see, folks have asked about uh, what is going on in, uh, from an NFL standpoint. What do they think is, uh, okay, let's see. I've got another college one here I'm going to get to. Who, what games are most intriguing as non-conference games? I'm trying to look at, let me, let me grab a schedule here. Well, I think Clemson, Georgia is the most intriguing game. Um, I think that says a lot. Uh, I think Oregon, Ohio State is really good. I'm curious to see what Cincinnati does against Notre Dame. Um... I don't know uh, Iowa, Iowa State. Um, Auburn, Penn State will be intriguing, although I, I'm not. Notre Dame, Wisconsin is another one. Um, trying to think what else. Uh, that's, that's it. I, I'm trying to think um, what other games, I, you know, in, in terms of conference. Um, You know, I think Alabama A&M will be intriguing. Um, what do I think here? I think Iowa State, Oklahoma. I'm very curious. I don't. I'm. I'm anticipating that game. Um, I don't know how good uh, Oregon, Washington's always good out west. Always uh, like that one. Um, 
those are some that I would consider. Um, over on to some um, NFL thoughts, NFL questions about um, this one comes in from Thomas asking what day, and again we'll take your questions here in the chat room, no um, biggest storylines in, in the NFL this year, biggest um, well, I don't know about the biggest, but um, I would say that, I mean, you got Contampa repeat, bringing all the roster back. Um, this might be Pittsburgh's last run with Ben Roethlisberger. Um, will home field advantage be something that will be a factor again. Um, I think in, that's more in college, but in the NFL too. What's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson is another one. Um, uh, I don't know what Urban Meyer is going to do in Jacksonville. Um, the Patriots rebuild, how that's going to be. I mean, how about the Saints without Drew Brees? Um, Chiefs are always a fun watch. Can somebody take a step up like the Tony's Browns or, um, you know, a lot of quarterback changing spots, Carson Wentz in Indianapolis, a lot of things that, that are intriguing to me. Um, what about some of the head coaches that, uh, are coming in? Those are some interesting things too. Again, how's Urban Meyer going to do? Um, what, what, what impact will Arthur Smith have in Atlanta? Um, Dan Campbell in Detroit. Um, you know, Brandon Staley with the Chargers. That's a really good roster. And how much better will they get? Um, Robert Sala. Can he change culture and organizational things in, in, uh, in New York with the Jets? Nick Sirianni with the Eagles. Those are some things that I think are going to be going to be fun to watch. Um, some of your thoughts here. Let's see here. Uh, Rich says, what are your assessment of Ted March? <laughs> Rich always comes out of the out of the blue with stuff. Uh, Ted March Abroda was an outstanding coach, did a great job, coached a good friend of mine, Burt Jones, and did a great job in the Colts uh, era. Um, was um, did did really good things. You know, and came back and, and really helped, um, you know, Baltimore again, the Ravens. So he had a really good career, very good coach, another one of those guys that was a very good offensive mind, um, really understood the passing game very well uh, and had a real impact on things. Wasn't, um, you know, not as probably recognized as much because didn't win a title. Um, those are those are uh, my thoughts, some general thoughts on that. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Parrick Johnny's. How do you think? Morning, Jeffrey. How do you think? Let me get this up there. Read it. How do you think Alvin Kamara will do this year without Drew Brees? Look, I think they'll they'll focus a lot more on the run game. I mean, I think they always did, but I think they're going to have to run the football now. They're going to see a lot more eight man fronts. 
So, you know, if you talk about how well will he do in terms of numbers, not necessarily um, that's going to be the, the barometer. What I think you're going to see is um, them having to set the tone with the run game a little bit more. Uh, I think they're going to work play action. So the ability to run and the success and the threat to run is probably going to have more positive impact in the pass game. So in terms of yards, don't know. And, and remember, he'll have tougher yards. He'll, he'll be challenged more as an inside runner and an after-contact yards runner because um, he's going to have to work a little bit more with less space in which to run. Um, so, you know, I think that's, I think you look, he's going to have a huge impact in terms of his importance. He's become even more important. He can't play off of Drew Brees and the play calling. He's going to have to be more of the bell call guy. Um, also, can he be as effective in the passing game? Well, Drew Brees was always good at quickly going through his progressions and getting the ball out to Alvin in a timely fashion where he can do damage. Whereas now it may be a little bit different. The ball may come out to him a little late. If it does, you don't have as much success in the passing game. So I think um, I think it's one of the, as I mentioned, one of the storylines is how this offense looks and how effective it is um, without Drew Brees and how they got going forward. Um, couple of other, let's see, I'm trying to think. Of, I think that's the end of the questions there. So um, taking a look at um, any other things that may have come across, I'm trying to to figure out um, if anybody else. No, I don't see anything. If I do, again, got any questions, we're going to cut out here in a little bit. We'll give you a couple of minutes if you've got a couple of questions that you want to bring aboard. We'll certainly address them here. Um, reminder that a couple of things. Um, LandryFootball.com, you've not checked it out. Take advantage of the scouting season offer. Got all the notebooks every day with all the latest information on recruiting. Um, got all sorts of breakdowns of all the teams. And then college football, NFL, best players overall. Uh, best players by um, uh, uh, by by position, draft prospects, we got it all for you. So check it out, college, NFL, working hard on getting all of that done. In fact, I'm going to uh, cut out here in just a little bit to get back to that. Got a busy day today. Got some uh, other radio. Um, got um, a couple of other conference calls got to get to. So a busy day. It'll be busy days, uh, a couple of weeks from um, media days where a lot of people get into the start of the season or feel like it's the general start of the season. So um, check us out. A reminder that we are switching SEC football and beyond over to Podcast Park in Atlanta. More on that uh, is we're going to probably start that on Monday, depending on if things work out this week logistically. So we'll keep you up to date on that, and certainly we're uh, looking maybe to do the same thing with the home for this show um, and Landry Football Podcast. We're not quite sure yet. But we're still working on that. Uh, Rich says, what was your scouting evaluation of Tyrone Poole out of Fort Valley, Trent Green out of Indiana, and Richmond Webb out of Texas A&M? Richmond was really athletic, per, uh, pass protector with a really good punch. Trent Green was 
very, very productive out of Indiana. If you remember, he came out the same time as Rick Meyer and probably um, played every bit as well, played better probably overall in the league. Tyrone Poole was was very athletic, very quick-footed, quick hip to turn and run. Did a very good job. wasn't the biggest guy, but he really could cover, and he had the ability to cover the two-way goes out of the slot when they played him in there. Hey, uh, folks, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, check us out next week on Scout Tie. Uh, planning on um, certainly coming back. We'll be here with Landry Football Podcast. We'll be here Friday with um, um, SEC Football and Beyond. And, again, check out LandryFootball.com for all the latest inside information and analysis of the college game, the pro game. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us. And I uh, hope you all have a great day. We'll talk to you on the other side.